Good morning. I'm Bruce McGregor. She is Chris McGregor. And today we are delighted and honored to have with us Father Thomas Dubay, Emeritus Priest and Retreat Master of the Maris Center in Washington, D.C. Uh, he has traveled internationally for the last 17 years, providing retreats for both lay and religious groups. An expert on the spirituality of St. Teresa of Avila, as well as on that of St. John of the Cross, uh, specializes in distilling and simplifying the essence of spiritualities of those two great doctors of the Church for retreat participants. Taught at major seminary level for 17 years, working with the formation team in an attempt to create a better approach to education for religious, has also taught university-level theology. In addition to uh, having hosted over a couple hundred TV programs for EWTN, uh, he is also the author of many articles and over 20 books. And Father Dubay, we are delighted to have you and welcome you to our morning show. Well, thank you. Glad to be part of it. Father, I just have to say on a personal level, thank you so much. When I really began to feel uh, called to a deeper contemplative prayer, I found was directed to Fire Within. And that was probably one of the most instrumental spiritual books that I have read. And it it was like a beacon. It led me to so many others. So thank you so much. Well, you're welcome indeed. Very good. That's the gospel, really. That's all I was talking about. John of the Cross and Teresa are the best we've got in explaining it. That's why it's worthwhile. Well, you are, you are so instrumental in helping to break open their teachings for today's world and for our mindsets. And I really think Deep Conversion, Deep Prayer, your new work, is uh, just so incredibly timely for just that reason. Yes, it, it really is. I have a kind of policy that uh, I don't want to write a book. I'm certainly not going to write a book for the fun of it because it's kind of hard work. But uh, when I decide that I have not seen this subject discussed, and at least not adequately and up-to-date, etc., then, and I think it's important, and I know this subject is important, very important. As a matter of fact, I can't think of another one that would be more important. Uh, so I decide then to do my best about it and see what we can do. And usually it turns out pretty well. I think there are so many people out there that really would like, to, who desire to be closer to God, to desire to have a conversion, but then it needs to go so much deeper than that initial experience. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There can be a, a very good uh, emotional experience, and, and sometimes it's much more than emotional, but it, we do have to have the follow-through, no doubt about that. And we ordinarily have to go through the ordinary purification and, and growing in prayer from meditative prayer to contemplative prayer. Then we get worked on our getting, really working seriously about getting rid of our defects and our faults, because otherwise there can't be deep prayer. We're not trying to give the, live the gospel generously. Well, when you do that, though, you really are called to what you've termed the moral conversion. Correct. And I, people don't like that term because that flies in the face of everything, especially in this culture. Oh, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's not a popular subject, except for very sincere people who, who do, do really want to improve themselves, and they do want to grow in a closeness to God. These people are very much uh, interested in the subject. But uh, I must say, I, uh, it's not the, the, the general run of the, the world. It's certainly it's not the worldly world. Uh, that's very true, and I, I think there is that desire to better ourselves. And uh, as you point out in the book so well, Everything you point out is so excellent, but there's two types of excellence. That's right. And I think we we can understand, we grasp the first level of natural talents, but I think when it comes to that, that second level, I think that's where we really struggle. 
That's right, the personal goodness. That's the second one. As Paul Johnson, the well-known British historian, pointed out, you can have people that are very talented in all kinds of fields, music, sports, uh, scholarship, and so on, and, and be just wretched, morally wretched. And he's got a whole book on that subject. It's, it's very enlightening and, in a way, disturbing, too. But it's true, there the are two kinds of excellence, and we're talking about being excellent as a person. Mm-hmm. That requires all the virtues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in, in looking at the book, Father, you point out that there are uh, different kinds or levels of moral conversions. Can you expand on that a little bit for us? Yes, I can. Uh, there, I'd, I like to keep it kind of simple but accurate. Mm-hmm. There, there's the, the basic conversion from alienation from God back to God. And that would be from some, I like to call them idols, serious idols that alienate a person from God and from loving one's neighbor as well. You can't put the two together. And so the first level of conversion is the, the deep first one. is the prodigal son parable level mm-hmm. of giving up one's idols, uh, whatever they happen to be, and turning back to God and say, I'm going to pursue him, you, Lord, not my idol. Now, the second degree of conversion is to get rid of our venial sin. Not, they don't alienate one from God seriously, but they kind of cool their love relationship. Mm-hmm. As in a marriage, uh, to snap at one's spouse uh, and, and will it. I mean, kind of mean. Right. That doesn't break off totally the, the love relationship between them, but it sure does cool it. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, nobody needs a proof of that. <laughs> so to get rid of venial sins is the second degree of conversion. And the third degree is to go on to heroic virtue, to live as saints do, no limits at all. And they're the, they're the most beautiful men and women on the face of the earth by far, person goodness. So those are the three degrees put briefly. I think most of us, we'd like to think that we can experience the first level. And the second level, I think we get really stymied, but to reach up to where the saints are, so many of us just automatically write that off because we, we consider we, we don't think we can be saints. Well, you know, there's a kernel of truth in that. If one means, I can't be a saint by myself. I need God's grace. That's Mm -hmm. perfectly true. But the thing is that he will give you and me and anybody else that really wants it, he will give the grace to become a saint. Mm -hmm. But then we've got to also pay the price and get rid of what's wrong with us to do what we can do. So that, yeah, I suppose there are lots of people that would say, well, I'd like to be much better than I am, but I I can't be a saint. Uh, so, bearing in mind that you and I or anybody, and none of us can be a saint by ourselves, but with God's grace we can. Because the saints are human beings like all the rest of us, but they say a complete yes to God, not just uh, 80%. Right. That's absolutely right. I am always trying to wrestle with the idea of what prompts people to move from, as you put it, mediocrity or worse. Because I, it, Teresa of Avila, am I mistaken that she said that people almost seem to enjoy their mediocrity. Oh, she does say that. Oh, yes, that's true. They, in other words, they, they love to be, um, to, they love their lifestyle, which is certainly not a perfect lifestyle, even if it doesn't get into mortal sin, uh, to overeat, for example, to gossip about other people's faults. That is, is not certainly compatible with being a saint, because saints do not do any of these things. Mm-hmm. They, they just get rid of what's wrong with them. And, of course, that is all connected with our deep intimacy with God in a growing prayer life. And that, that's part of the package. And people don't think about that, I'm afraid. 
and they think that, well, I have to do it all by myself. No, if, if we do our part and grow in a prayer life by growing, I mean not only vocal prayer, but also meditative prayer, which will lead eventually to contemplative prayer, if one is generous in living the gospel, then, then it becomes, in a kind of way, easy to grow in deepening conversion because you are growing in intimacy with God. And a person who loves another immensely finds it much easier to stop, stop offending the other. We'd like to think so. After 23 years of marriage, yeah. we're hope we're at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've had uh, time to hone it under fire at times. Uh, Father, it's kind of important to note, too, and I think we have to keep in mind when it comes to sin, even venial sin, that uh, these kind of lead to, can potentially lead to bigger things, but not only that, that, that in sin we really do hurt the body of Christ. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We hurt others, too. Uh, not only in the, the snapping, say, at somebody else uh, to respond in a, in a kind of bitter way or a mean way, that certainly hurts the other. But it also hurts in other ways, too, because, you see, if we are not getting rid of our faults and growing in intimacy with God and deepening prayer, if that's not happening, then we're not nearly as, as uh, good for others as we otherwise would be. That's perfectly true. Say, a husband and a wife, let's take that. Most of your listeners are probably married or contemplating marriage or mm-hmm. have been married. Right. Uh, let's take that example. You see, if a husband and a wife really love each other, and love to the extent that they stop hurting each other, even in these little petty ways, you know, pouting, for example, mm-hmm. or not talking, or, or, or scrapping about something. You see, they are actually uh, preventing themselves from being much more beneficial to each other, and of course to the children as well, because a person who's close to God is, is much, much more effective in bringing others to God. Mm-hmm. That's our eternal welfare. So that uh, we, we just, or just take, take my own vocation, being a priest. You see, a priest who is close to God, like the cure of ours, or St. Augustine, or St. Thomas, all these marvelous saints. You see, when they're close to God, they, they lead others much more effectively than when they don't, right. when they're not close to God. It, it works for all of us that way. Absolutely. Now we're talking with Father Thomas Dubay, author of Deep Conversion, Deep Prayer. Father, I, I think you honed it down to those six words that are the key to conversion, and it's be converted and accept the gospel. Oh, yeah, that's the Lord himself. That's right, and that's really at the heart of it is accepting that gospel. But as you point out, our egocentrism just gets in the way. Oh, yeah. See, that's a, I, that's a, a tremendously brilliant statement of his, and we do trace that out somewhat at least. Mm-hmm. Actually, those six words are the first public words of the Lord, as is indicated to in the text, uh, and that, that has to be significant, that he would say those six words as the first public utterance in his ministry. And it's, it's, a, it's so profound that for 2,000 years, Scripture scholars, theologians, saints have been talking about it, living it, and seeing into it, and there's no end to the richness of it. Let me just give you just one aspect of that richness. Sure. You see, when the Lord says, be converted and accept the gospel, he doesn't say it in the opposite direction. He doesn't say, accept the gospel and be converted. And that is deeply converted. (laughs) Deeply converted. That is deeply significant. Because, you see, what he's saying, and that's where the egocentrism comes in in the explanation 
as you'll find in the book. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is that, as Newman pointed out, most people go not by evidence for something, but by their preferences. Mm-hmm. In other words, they want to live comfortably, they want to overeat, they want to gossip, they, they like these things. Mm-hmm. They enjoy their mediocrity, as Teresa put it, you, as you well noted. You see, And so, there has to be, first of all, if people are going to accept the gospel, there has to be, first of all, a deep conversion away from all this egocentric selfishnesses that we have. Mm-hmm. Babies are cute, very cute. They don't even have to try to be cute, and they are. But the fact is that a baby, and all of us were babies once upon a time, is completely egocentric, mm-hmm. self-centered. Yep. So if the baby is hungry at 2 a.m. in the morning, too bad about mommy, uh, well, the baby's sure. trying. Uh, okay. Now, hopefully with, with loving parents who give example of being altruistic, thinking of other people, the baby hopefully learns after a while there are other people in the world that need consideration too. And then, then taught this by their parents. And hopefully after a while we get over our egocentrism. Now the point is that the Lord is making, he's making all these points really, you see, mm-hmm. but the point is that if I get over, I means anybody, if I get over my self-centeredness, egocentrism, and begin to think of others and mostly of God, then I will not, I, when I hear the gospel, I will love it because it is so beautiful. See, the, the, mm-hmm. One of the main reasons people do not accept the gospel is they're not capable of seeing the beauty of it. Right. And, and so as we, as we get more deeply converted, then when we hear the gospel, we're going to love it, because there is no worldview that even comes close to the gospel in its beauty. Well, absolutely. And I think most people do not have the experience that St. Paul had in their conversion, where it was an, a knocking off of seeing a light and being knocked off a horse and then having an understanding I, I think, as you point out, it's it's the Newmans, it's the Chestertons, it's that gradual, slowly That's right. uh, awakening and, and using the tools that we have for conversion. Correct. You're very right about that. And just using those on a consistent basis. And you, and you do point out the three incredibly so- strong ones that I, th- I don't think Catholics, we appreciate that they've always been there for us. Namely, the New Testament, the liturgy, and then, of course, the lives of the saints. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They are big helps. Oh, yes, by all means. And you see, the saints uh, live the gospel so well, and they concretize it. They show us in each vocation in life. The married saints teach married people, and and the rest of us too, by the way, Mm -hmm. how to live uh, generously in a family, and how to grow in family prayer and individual prayer. They're they're examples, beautiful examples of what the gospel is talking about. Oh, yes. And we learn, and the, the liturgy is just full of scripture, of course. Oh, absolutely. And just by experiencing that, we also encounter God's grace, and that's probably the, the best tool toward oh, yeah. conversion. We, we can't do it without God's grace, that's for sure. But then, and, and he gives everyone the grace that they need. Uh, there's no, we, we don't have ex- excuses there, but we do have to cooperate with it, with his grace. And as you say, use the means that are, have been given to us by him himself. You dedicate a whole chapter in the book to a remarkable resistance. And it, it is that, that quandary that we have that we all would like to be better, but what is it that prevents us? Well, it, it's the egocentrism, for one thing. There, of course, there are other factors, too. And 
uh, why people are not deeply converted. The whole spirit of the world is just in an opposite direction. See, mm-hmm. we just don't get encouragement to improve morally very much at all from the world, the worldly world, that is. So that's one, one problem. But the resistance most basically comes from the fact that, as John Henry Newman pointed out, people do not go by, operate, make decisions about things, mostly from evidence that they are true. Mm-hmm. They usually uh, go by their preferences. I remember there was a, a cover story in Newsweek magazine several years ago, and, uh, or two or three, maybe four years ago, and uh, it dealt with healthy diet. Not a medical diet, but just what is a healthy way to eat, for example. Mm-hmm. They showed with a poll of what people say about themselves that people do not go, most people do not go and make decisions about what they're going to eat and how much and so on. They don't go by the evidence. They know very well uh, about the whole grains and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. They go by their preferences, what they like to eat. Mm-hmm. So they just don't pay much attention to the objective evidence. Well, see, that's part of the whole problem. That's part of the resistance. People don't operate, most people don't, according to, say, the gospel, which is the, the evidence of how uh, human beings can flourish. Right, yeah, we, we know what's good, but we want the candy. That's right. We <laughs> want the candy, and most people uh, take the candy yep. in whatever form it happens to come. Well, as in all Father Thomas Dubé books, especially in the new one, Deep Conversion and Deep Prayer, you do lay out some, I mean, we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg, folks. We're not telling you everything there is to discover in this book, so you have to you have Go to make it, it a, a read of yours. But you talk about the seven reasons for a deep conversion, and m- there are many on a personal level, but I was also struck that it's a, the ecumenical effectiveness of, you know, not only does it, will we be happier and be able to prove real love, uh, our real love towards others, but it really has an ecumenical effect. Oh, surely it does. Yes. Uh, for example, the Lord's statement comes to my mind immediately. By this will all men know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Now, it takes a great deal of conversion to love another person, even a beautiful person, because there is really, I'm going to all kinds of things right here, but mm-hmm. anyhow, there is really no such thing as love at first sight. There is attraction at first sight, sometimes very strong, sometimes noble, sometimes it is not noble. Uh, but attraction in itself doesn't prove that there's any love yet. Mm-hmm. And it takes a great deal of self-sacrifice to love another, which means, in the Gospel, to give to another even if you do not receive it in return, and even to love your enemies. Now that requires a great deal of conversion to love other people. And therefore, uh, if, if a person is not getting closer and closer to God from whom all love comes, Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, as James told us. Mm-hmm. See, if we're not getting closer to him, then the, the deep conversion is just not going to be hap- happening because it takes a lot of sacrifice to grow in person goodness and beauty, and uh, people are just not going to make the sacrifice. Because ultimately, when we deepen in our conversion, it, it may be where we're trying to satisfy a need in our soul, but it will call us to serve others. Oh, and it really will. that can be a very big hint. That can be a roadblock for people. That can stop them because having to serve others or to care about the needs of others, that 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 may not be what you're in it for, you know, unfortunately. That's correct. And that requires the deep conversion or it's not going to happen. 
So in the ecumenical point that we were touching on, and I kind of went off a bit, but you see, if we are deeply converted, then it's a tremendous uh, advertisement for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because the gospel, as I mentioned in passing a few minutes ago, is the most beautiful worldview around. There's no other religion. There's certainly atheism has no worldview that we even remotely compares in beauty with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so if we live the gospel, then we're just beautiful ads for its, its truthfulness. And then society as a whole ends up becoming better when you think about it, because then you then you welcome the child into your life, then you help the poor, you you make room for it. It really is at the heart of Catholic spirituality oh, to, yes. to have that deepening. Oh, yes, it surely is. It is the very heart. Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, Scripture also says that, speaking of cont- contemplative prayer, Psalm 27, verse 4, the one thing I ask, the one thing I seek. And for the one thing in Scripture means top priority is to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Now, that's a very profound prayer life. Mm-hmm. It's even beyond words. And uh, that's called the one thing, and, and it's the one thing ecumenically, too. I have, I have Protestants that come to retreats that I'm giving, and they, they come to me for spiritual direction. They just love this, this idea of contemplative prayer. They mm-hmm. haven't heard that sort of thing before, a deep intimacy with the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, oh yes, ecumenically, it's very, very powerful and attractive. I, w- I think it's, it's difficult for some folks as they enter into the awakening of the spiritual life, they learn a lot, they, they have a lot of knowledge that is contained in their brain, but I think sometimes if, if, if knowledge were all that there was, everyone who graduates with a theology degree or a religion degree, they would be the holiest people walking around on the streets today. But it really, it does require that really uh, centered time for prayer. It sure does. Yes, it certainly does. Yeah, uh, theology, I'm in favor of it, if, if it's correct theology, of course. And Absolutely. Yep. If it's in touch with reality, and that's what truth means, I'm in touch with the way things are, you see. Um, definitely, that's wonderful, except it does not produce saints automatically. Mm-hmm. There has to be that inner cleansing of what's wrong with me, let me get rid of it, you know, and let me grow in prayer intimacy with, with the Lord, and so on. Then I start to change very much as a person. Yeah, absolutely. You got to go from book smart to the heart, as they say. Yeah, very good. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, Father, we want to thank you so much for spending time with us and our listeners today. I'm sure that uh, everyone who's been listening now recognizes that need for spiritual improvement. And certainly we would recommend deep conversion, deep prayer, Father Thomas Dubay, uh, as a, a must procure and uh, get into this book. Are you working on any other uh, material that will be coming out anytime soon? Yes, I am. <laughs> I just, as a matter of fact, that's what I've been doing the last couple of days. Usually I'm on the road traveling, vagabonding for the Lord, speaking. But uh, I, I, I'm working on a book. It's going to be called, uh, I don't think there'll be a change in the title, Saints, colon, A Closer Look. And there is, it, it, the book is examining what it is to be a saint. So that would really be pretty much like the third degree of conversion that we've, we've specialized in right. that book. Well, I would, again, I highly recommend getting Deep Conversion, Deep Prayer. I think it's a, actually a wonderful book to begin with, and then they, you have to move to Fire Within. I just think that's a classic of the spiritual life. It, it, it has done an immense amount of good, and it is still selling very well after 15 years, you know. Uh, it, it does, it does well, it's the gospel, 
and John and Teresa are just excellent in explaining it. But there's another book that helps a lot of people right in between, and that, that would be Prayer Primer. Oh, yes. That's the, that's the beginning book on a deepening prayer life. And it's for intelligent people. It's for adults. High school, I know one school, high school, they have it as a textbook. Oh, good for them. Yes, it's, it's a very good idea, and it introduces people to the whole life of prayer, which is very beautiful indeed. Well, I, I'll, for some, I'm sure I'll, I'll be thinking of you this Good Friday as we recall the Passion and we think of our Lord in the garden as he prays and with such a profound depth that uh, only we can hope to aspire, uh, aspire to someday. Oh, yes. Of course, his prayer is the absolute pinnacle of prayer. Well, no doubt about that. Well, I appreciate being remembered, especially on Good Friday. That'd be just wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, how about every day? You're just such oh, a yeah. good yeah. <laughs> That's still better. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll be embarking on Holy Week, Father. Uh, any words of wisdom for all of us out there as as, as we embark on this Holy Week? Well, the, the the cross, of course, is at the very center of reality. That's why it's our most precious symbol. And it, it, it you know, in a way, I like to put it this way: <clears throat> the cross. The Lord on the cross being tortured to death, in one way, is the most ugly picture in the universe. Mm-hmm. Perfect, infinite uh, innocence being tortured to death. Now, at the same time, from another point of view, it's the most beautiful picture in the universe, because it's a picture of perfect love. Uh, giving to others, even you forget nothing in return. And uh, just, just splendid. So it's a good thing to, to think about that for a while. Be converted and accept the gospel. Correct. Yes, Father, could uh, we ask you to uh, impart your priestly blessing to us? I'd be very happy to. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, Father. We hope you had a good experience and you will come back again soon. I'd I'd love to do that. All right. Thank you, Father. God bless. Bye-bye.